mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Joseph. His scripture text to be taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 37, verses 1 through 3. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to read the first three verses and preach something that the Lord dealt with my heart about that's a little unusual. Genesis 37, the Bible says in verse number 1, And Jacob dwelled in the land, wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. Notice this. Notice what this says right here. It says, these are the generations of Jacob, Joseph. These are the generations of Jacob. And then it just says, Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, and the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives, and Joseph brought unto his father their evil report or their unsatisfactory actions. He came and told his father what they were doing. Now it says, Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. I'm going to preach tonight just for a little while simply on a message entitled Joseph. Notice this. These are the generations of Jacob in verse number 2. And then the next sentence just starts off with the word Joseph. Now, I want to say this. You know, there are people that uh, usually don't need much of an introduction. By that I mean their name is, their fame precedes them. Um, you know, think of an example, Billy Graham. If he were here tonight, he wouldn't need much of an introduction. Everybody would know who he was. There have been men in the past, Elvis. You know, there's probably a lot of people named Elvis, but we all think of Jailhouse Rock Elvis, amen, when you say Elvis. And uh, I just the reason I said that was there are names that impose themselves upon us. And if you're a Bible reader, you know that Joseph is one of those names. Can you say amen? Joseph. And along with Joseph, of course, John. We think of John the Baptist. And David, we can don't have to have any explanation who David is. And uh, so I want to deal with the idea of the name simply about Joseph tonight uh, and just preach for a little while some things about him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of the Lord. Uh, I thank you for truth that liberates and sets people free. I thank you for the power of God, the peace of God that passes knowledge. Let heaven come down tonight and deliver us from all the bondage that the enemy would try to put on us, from every affliction that he would try to bring our way, from every oppression because we are children of God. And our name rings in heaven, much like the name Joseph rings in Scripture. And I could 
just give examples tonight, God, that there are names that are important in certain areas, and our name is, are those names that are important in heaven. Have your way tonight, God, and just let your will be done, and we'll give you praise. And the church said, amen, amen. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Uh, we could probably say that some people are people that are described as being larger than life. It's a phrase that's used to describe these uh, particular individuals throughout history. And, uh, of course, I won't deal with a lot of secular people tonight, but when I think of Bible characters, people like Moses and, as I mentioned, uh, David, others, Joshua, Solomon, there are just certain ones in Scripture that, that stand out. The Apostle Paul, to me, is the one of the greatest figures of the New Testament. And uh, so I started reading this, and I was just doing a little studying in Genesis, and, and I noticed something, Brother Tom. I noticed that Genesis 36, if you read it, it starts out, these are the generations of Esau. And it lists all of his descendants and who their mother was and and uh, there was a great number of them. They were all princes and, and over regions and a great, Dave, a great ex exhaustive genealogy of Esau. But how many knows Jacob was the one that, to whom God gave the blessing and the birthright? He got it by deception, but somehow he can shout hallelujah, he got it. <clears throat> he was the man. And it was, of course, through the sons of Jacob that our Bible heritage would develop and Christ would come. And it, to me, it was astounding. It, it gives all of this total genealogy of Esau. But then it says, these are the generations of Jacob. And it just says, Joseph. And then several chapters in your Bible, more than any other character in Scripture except Jesus, of course, are dedicated to this man, Joseph. It's an astounding thing. <clears throat> and I started to look at this and doing some study and reading after some people. And uh, I want to tell you just a few things tonight that uh, when you read about this incident here, now, it doesn't mean that Joseph is the only son of Jacob. He's not. We know that Jacob had other sons, and one of them was, of course, Judah, who was the tribe. His, his family became the tribe uh, through which Christ would come. So it's an important character. <clears throat> but the reason that I think God singles Joseph out here is that his life is a lifestyle and life, familiar life that, that literally portrays or a better word would be mirrors the life of Christ. There's some things about Joseph that were, that were indicative of the life of Jesus. Can you say amen? So what God did was right here in the middle of these genealogies and birthrights and history of of Israel, uh, of the children of, of Israel, where God would 
would uh, later develop a nation. He's saying, I want you to know that of the seed of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, and then it should have been Esau, but because of Esau's mentality and, and carnal nature, God allowed the birthright and, and the blessing to transfer to Jacob. And through Jacob would come all of this history, all of this lineage and where Christ would come from. But right in the middle of all that, God singles out Joseph and he dedicates all of these chapters to his life and to what happened to him because God was saying through typology and through the life of this man, there's a redeemer coming. There's a savior coming. There's a healer coming. There's one coming who will deliver my people, hallelujah. And so I started to look and do a little bit of study. His, he uh, portrays the life of Christ, and, and preachers throughout history have, uh, have literally been drawing similarities between Joseph and Jesus. And so I'd like to try as well tonight, if I may, in my humble way to show you some, some parallels between the two. And I want to say this tonight, that there are striking comparisons to be made between Joseph and Jesus. Can you say amen? I started looking into this, and I want to say this. When you read Scripture, sometimes things seem to almost go against our carnal side, our carnal nature, or the natural part of us. I remember, you know, years ago reading about Joseph and, you know, sort of being a little curious as to, well, why did, why, you know, why did, uh, uh, did uh, Jacob love him more? Why did he favor him more? Why did he seem to be so special? But I want to tell you that he was like Jesus in that he was the beloved son. Can you say amen? He was the favored one. Somebody ought to shout yes. If you look in verse 2, it says that uh, that uh, when the Joseph, these, it says these are the generations of Joseph and of Jacob, Joseph being 17, and it tells what all he's doing. And uh, in verse 3, it says that Israel loved Joseph more than all of his children. Isn't that amazing? Well, Hebrews 7 and 26, so I want to I say this. First of all, this tells us that there's a faultless distinction about him. There's something about him that makes him different. Can you say amen? Here, there's a faultless distinction. These are the generations. It says Jacob, and then immediately it just says Joseph. He's 17 years old. He's feeding the flock with his brethren, and it tells who he is, and he comes and he brings Joseph. Uh, Joseph brings to his father their evil report, and uh, I've thought about that. It doesn't just mean that he's ratting them out or that he's a snitch, but it literally means that there's something about Joseph. He's a man of already, a young man of integrity and character. He does what his father tells him to do. He never disobeys his father. How many understands that was the nature of Jesus? He has a mission to do. He does it. He, oh, there's something about him. He's faultless. Remember what... Uh, 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 Herod said, uh, he said when he was talking about Jesus, he said, I find no fault in this man. 
I can find nothing wrong with him. There was this faultless distinction. Hebrews 7 and 26 said, For such a high priest became us who is, listen, holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, made higher than the heavens. So when I see this Joseph coming with this, this report of the failure of his brethren, he's doing it from a position of faultless distinction. He's one that didn't fail his father. He's one that later in Potiphar's house, when Potiphar's wife would try to seduce him, he would remain faultless. Can you say amen? I read about Jesus who was tempted in all points like we were, yet without sin. So there's a comparison here. Joseph, there's a faultless distinction about him. I know backslidden preachers and Hollywood and that bunch has tried to say that Jesus sinned, that he had drunken uh, 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 you know, experiences and slept with women and, and all that stuff. But can I tell you something about Jesus? I read in your hearing, it said he was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. My God, he was different. There was a distinction, hallelujah, between Jesus and the world. And I see a distinction in Joseph and his brethren, a faultless distinction. Let me go on, John 7 and 7. Jesus said, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me. You know why? He's talking to the priest there, and he says, the world doesn't hate you, but they hate me. And, he, and the reason is, amen, uh, uh, he says, because uh, uh, they hate me because I testify of it or of the world that the works thereof are evil. You see, the thing that made, that made the priest and, and made the Pharisees and, and made everybody else hate Jesus was simply the fact when he looked at them and said, you generation of vipers, you know what he was saying? You're guilty and I'm guiltless, hallelujah. There's always been a distinction between the Son of God and sinners, can you say amen? So here he was. He was, there was a faultless distinction. Psalm 45 and 7, talking about him, a prophetic verse says, Thou lovest righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. The, how many of you understand that the anointing on Jesus was greater than anybody had ever seen before? The Scripture said that, that uh, you know, God... Uh, anointed Moses, but Jesus said a greater than Moses is here. The scripture said that the Spirit of God came upon David, and David you know, played a harp and drove out demons and, and was anointed, killed giants and all that, but Jesus said a greater than David is here. Are you, are you with me? There was, there was a faultless distinction between Jesus and the rest of the world. Now, there was this, he was the beloved son. He was the, there was this faultless distinction. Not only that, there was his father's devotion to him. And when Joseph, when Jacob spoke, when it was spoke about uh, Joseph in verse 3, it said Israel or Jacob loved Joseph more. Isn't that great? He loved him more than all of his children. Now, I don't think that, that uh, Jacob got up one day and said, you know what? I just think Joseph is so cute. I'm just going to love him better than the rest of them. But I think God anointed him to love him more because God wanted you to know there's a distinction between this one and the rest of them. Just like he wants the world to know there's a difference between Jesus and everybody else. Hallelujah. 
Listen to this. Amen. The Father's devotion to him. When Jesus was baptized, how many remembers reading about that? In Matthew 3 and 17, and uh, there was a voice that came out of heaven that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. God used the word beloved, which means loved above all others. It's, it's a word that, that means agape to the max. Can you say amen? It was the agape of God at the highest level. And then in Matthew 17 and 5, I didn't give them that scripture, but, but when, uh, when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration and Moses, the, the, the great deliverer, appeared and Elijah, the prophet of fire, appeared and Peter and the rest of the boys said, let's build three tabernacles. God spoke up again and said, this is my beloved, my agape son. Hear him, hallelujah. So the father had a different devotion to him than to anybody else. He gave him the Holy Ghost. The Bible said without measure, more than anybody else. Let, let me go on. So his not only was there this faultless distinction and his father's devotion, but I think about his future dominion. In the story of Joseph, we, we read, you know, about what happened to Joseph. In, uh, in uh, Genesis 37 and 5, he had a dream. And it said uh, Joseph dreamed a dream and he told his brethren and they hated him for it. Are you with me? They hated him. You know why the world hates Jesus? You know why the world don't want us to preach about Jesus? You know why the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the movement that's, this ecumenical movement that's afoot today, Brother Dave, that wants to embrace Islam, they want to come up with something called Chrislam? You know, you know there's churches in America now that have this Bible on the podium and a Koran laying beside of it, and they try to tell you Jesus and Muhammad are co-equals, and you can get to heaven by Buddha or Hindus or any other way. And uh, they, you know, they 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 try to to the, you know they they don't want they, they they want every kind of religion. But when you start preaching Jesus that He said I'm the way, the truth, and the life, they'll call you a bigot. They'll call you mean. They'll call you hateful. They're trying right now. It's tried over the last several decades. They've tried several times, and Ted Kennedy was one of them. I won't get political. He's dead now, and you can't vote for him anymore. Well, you never could vote for him anyway. He was from Massachusetts. But, but Ted Kennedy tried for years to pass legislation that would make it a hate crime to preach this gospel message over the radio and over television. Are you hearing me? Because he did not want this gospel to be elevated above any other religions. They wanted that ecumenical thing. But Joseph had a dream, it said. And when he told it his brethren, they hated him more. And he said to them, here I pray you the dream which I've dreamed. And he said, we were binding sheaves in the field and lo, my sheaf arose and stood upright. And behold, your sheaves round about bowed down and made obeisance to my sheep. And his brethren said, shalt thou indeed reign over us and shall you have dominion over us and they hated him for it for his dreams and his words verse 9 and he dreamed yet another dream and told his brethren and said moreover 
He said, I dream more. And behold, the sun and the moon and the 11 stars bowed down to me. You know why they hated him? Because they didn't want to accept the fact that one day he'd be their Lord. And I want to tell you why the world hates Jesus. Because Satan's put it in their heart. They don't want to admit that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. Can I preach tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Jesus is Lord. And he's coming back to this earth. One day crowned king of kings and lord of lords and you'll set his kingdom on the throne in Jerusalem and Jesus not Muhammad will rule the world from Jerusalem hallelujah oh Joseph's dream spoke of future dominion our Bible teaches future dominion by Jesus Christ. Can I tell you something? Get ready. Because it says we're going to be kings and priests and governors. Can you say amen? I hope they give me Richmond. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Are you, are you with me? Old Brother Byron Jessup used to say, Hallelujah. He said, I want Lexington. I'm going to take her up arena and make a church out of it. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Things are going to change between now and then. But the idea of dominion by the Lord and his church flies in the face of this world system. Are you hearing me? So Joseph was a time. I'm preaching all right. Joseph was a type. He showed faultless distinction. He showed the Father's devotion to him. God never, ever spoke and said that Muhammad's my beloved son. In fact, the Quran and Muslims will tell you right now that God never had a son. You hearing me? They, they, they'll say God never had a son. But I got word for them. They, they believe the Bible, you know. They, they believe the Old Testament prophets. And, but they say that uh, the King James translators corrupted it. But uh, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says in the book of Job, now they say that God never had a son. Are you with me? But the scripture says in the book of Job that there was a day when the sons of God came before the Lord to give an account of themselves. Can I, can I shock you? God's got more than one. We're all the sons and daughters of God now by grace. But even then, God had created sons and daughters that were angels and seraphims and cherubim. But only of Jesus did he say, this is my beloved son. This is the one that's set above everybody else. Hallelujah. Let me go on. So I saw this faultless distinction, the Father's devotion, and then realized that there's going to be a future dominion. Matthew 26 and 63, it said, Jesus held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure you. In other words, let me, let, me, let, me, let me translate that. Listen, I order you. I command you by the living God, tell us whether or not you're the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said unto him, you've said it, Nevertheless, I send you hereafter, you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power. Woo! And coming in the clouds of heaven. And when Jesus said that, the religious leader of the day that should have fell down and worshiped at his feet ripped his clothes in despair. Are you hearing me? And said, He has spoken blasphemy. Oh, Dave, I wonder what would have happened if the high priest would have fell on his face and said, Worship him, Israel. He's God. He's the Son of God. Hallelujah. 
But he ripped his clothes because they do not accept the idea of the future dominion of Christ. You walk out here tomorrow, I guarantee you, and start telling most people that one day soon Jesus is coming to take over the planet. They're liable to call the guys with the white coats and take you to the rubber room. They'll get mad at you and want to hurt you because it flies in the face of man. I'll never forget, I was pastoring King's Tabernacle, Brother Roy, years ago. And one Sunday afternoon, a beautiful summer afternoon just before church, I got there well, kind of early and I unlocked the door. And I was standing on the porch getting ready to go in. Had a guitar in one hand and Bible in the other. And there's a man pulled up on the road right there, that Bucket Town Road right beside the church. And he said, what are you doing, preacher? I said, I'm going to the house of God to worship the Lord. He said, ah, you don't need to go in there. I said, yeah, I do, and so do you. You need to come in. I mean, he's sitting here at the stop sign. I'm preaching to him. He started it. I said, you need to come, get in. Jesus coming soon. Better be in than not out. I said, you better come in. Oh, and he cussed and said, you don't have to go in that place to know the Lord. I said, listen to the way you're talking. You better find some place to get to know him. He sped away with his tires squealing because they don't want to hear that, that you need to submit to him because one day, can I tell you something? He might be disdained and ridiculed. He was spat upon and they plucked his beard out and beat his back and nailed him to a tree. But the next time he comes, they'll, they'll shake in their shoes and turn spitless. You hearing me? Ooh, are you hearing me? The next time he comes, they'll run and cry and holler, oh God, hide us from his face. Are you hearing me? Are you hear what I'm telling you? I'm telling you one day he's going to take over. Hallelujah. They don't know it. He's in control now. He's moving these little loud mouth midgets like Ahmedina job. These other little boasting, blaspheming, cussing devils that think they're somebody. Are you hearing me? I want to thought about when George Bush was president and that uh, Hugo Chavez from Venezuela, that idiot walked into the, into the UN one day and, and George Bush had spoke and Hugo Chavez walked up to the platform and said, I smell brimstones and I think Satan's been here just ahead of me. Talking about George Bush, you know, because George Bush was standing against communism and standing against that Muslim influence that was overtaking that country, and standing against all he stood for. And I want to tell them something. I want, I want them to hear me. George Bush ain't the devil. Are you hearing me? He ain't the Antichrist. And, and, I, and, and, and I'm going to say this. Uh, uh, Ahmed job is not the Antichrist. They, they ain't seen nothing yet. They're just a bunch of loud-mouthed little midget, little old, little old mealy-mouthed nothings that God's using. Can I preach like that? Oh, and, I, and I'll tell you, the ones that he's raised up in Russia right now, that's more and more turning against the United States and turning back toward Syria and Turkey and all them trying to make a league with them and they think boy we're going to go into that Middle East and take over and be in charge of all the old no you dummy God just putting you in place how soon and very soon he's coming and he's going to take over hallelujah Woo! let me believe it he's going to take over hallelujah let me go on and I thought like this, not only was he the beloved son, but like Joseph, he was the suffering, or like Jesus, Joseph was 
the suffering servant. Now, in verse number four, it says, here he was. God, Jacob had sent Joseph to his brethren to see about him, see how the flock was doing, how things were going. And uh, when he found them, the Scripture said when his brothers saw their, that their father loved him more than all his brethren, it says they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. In other words, every day of his life, they was mean and hateful to him. Have any of y'all experienced that yet since you've been saved? People mean and hateful to you? You know, I've run into people and they found out I was a preacher. They cussed me just because they could. Because they thought they'd get by with it. Thought I wouldn't punch them in the nose or anything. Because they thought I was sanctified. And I was, thank God. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. I took Dave with me one time. We had an incident on one of the church vans one night. There's a little boy on there. He's meaner than the devil. Some men had to, had to settle him down, and he went home and told his daddy a big tale. His daddy called me that night, cussing me and cussing them men, said he's going to stop the bus and whoop everybody on it and all that stuff, you know, and he just fooled the devil. And uh, so I called him, got him calmed down. Then I found out he belonged to one of the churches here in the county, and he's a good Christian. And on top of that, he told me he is a black belt karate man. He's a jujitsu haiyu. And uh, he was going to sue us. After he'd seen he couldn't whoop us, he's going to sue us. So I said, well, I better go talk to this gentleman and try to make peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. So I wanted somebody to go with me as a witness. I had to be careful. I couldn't take one of the guys off the bus because they might whoop him when I got there. And so I asked Brother Dave Caldwell to go with me. I said, Dave, won't you just go with me just to witness what was said when I got there, here he went, you know, he, he cussed a while, and then he could start telling me about his church, and his church was better than our church, and he, I don't think he'd ever been to church, if you all know the truth. You remember that day? And he started telling me, he said, you name any verse in the Bible, and I can quote it. I wanted to try him, but I wouldn't do it. And, uh, and uh, you know, when we got there, I, he, he was going to whoop everybody. I expected this big bad man, to, you know, somebody looked back like this guy here with these big guns on him to, to roll out the door, and I knocked on the door, and if he weighed 115 pounds, he'd had to have been soaking wet. Remember that day when we, we, we went in to talk to the man? I, I didn't go there for a fight. I didn't, I didn't even take a gun or nothing with me. I just went armed with the Word of God. And I tried to reason with the man, trying to tell him we send that van, that trailer park, to bring that kid to church, feed him, put the Word of God in him, love on him. Nobody trying to hurt nobody there. Tried to explain that to them. Are you hearing me? His problem was he didn't want to be in submission. He was rebellious against authority, just like his daddy. Huh? I'll, I'll get off this in a minute. And, uh, and, and, and I thought that's, you know, here we find that, that if you live for God, people are going to talk bad to you. Down in verse 19 of this chapter, it said, His brethren said one to another, this dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him. Let's kill him and cast him into some pit. And we'll say some evil beast has devoured him. And we'll see what will become of his dreams. You see, the thing they hated was his dream that he got from God. We'll see what becomes of his dream. Can you say amen? Reuben heard it, delivered him out of their hands and said, let us not kill him. And Reuben said, 
and shed no blood, but cast him in a pit in this wilderness and lay no hand upon him that he might rid him out of their hands and, and, and he was going to deliver him to his father later. And it came to pass when Joseph was come unto his brethren that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him. And they, they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty and there was no water in it. They, they put him down there to die. Can you say amen? And it says in verse number 28, then there they passed by Midianite merchant men, and they drew and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver. And they brought Joseph to Egypt. What are you saying, Brother Moody? Listen, Joseph was special. He was different. He was God's anointed. He was, he was Jacob's favored. Can you say amen? I, I thought like this. He was the sent one. He was the one that... Uh, that his father had sent there back in, in verse number 12 and 13. It says his brother went to feed their father's flock in Shechem in verse 12. And verse 13, Israel said to Joseph, your, your brother feeding the sheep there in Shechem, come and I'm going to send you to him. And he said, here I am. So how many will say he was the sent one? That's who Jesus was. He was the one that God so loved the world that he sent or gave his only begotten son. So he was the sent one. That was a comparison. First John 4 and 10 said, Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the payment or the propitiation for our sins. I want you to see that. Christ was sent to this world to pay for sin, and sin took his life, and he went to a cross and took all the sin of humanity upon him, and sinners still rebel against him today. He was the sent one. Not only that, but he was the suffering one. He suffered. He suffered a, a conspiracy. Can you say amen? Verse 18 of Genesis 37, I, I, wrote, I read through this and just sort of highlighted some of these. It said, where they saw him afar off before he came near to him. Listen, it said they conspired against him. There was a conspiracy. He, he, he's, he suffered a conspiracy. Amen. They were going to kill him. Matthew 26 and verse 3 said, Then assembled the chief priests and the scribes and the elders of the people under the palace of the high priest who was called Caiaphas and consulted. Another word there is conspired that they might take Jesus by subtlety or sneak and kill him. There was, he, was, he suffered a conspiracy. Not only that, but Joseph suffered abuse. Can you say amen, somebody? He, he suffered abuse. Verse 23 and 24 they stripped off his clothes. They, they threw him in a pit. They, they abused him. They, they talked bad to him. They, they threw him in a pit where there was no water. And, and Matthew 27 and 26, uh, chapter 27, verse 26 said, then, uh, he released, then released he Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus to the common hall and gathered the whole band of soldiers and they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe and planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head and a reed in his right hand and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They abused the Lord, church. Are you hearing me? They abused him. Not only that, but he suffered death as well. Joseph died vicariously. Jesus died vicariously. What do you mean by vicariously? That means somebody else did it for us. Jesus died for us. But with Joseph, it was a, a lamb that died. They killed a lamb, Bonnie, and they ripped up his coat of new colors and, and put many colors, and they put blood all over the lamb's blood. 
And they took it back to Jacob and said, your son is dead. So to Jacob, he was dead. Can you say amen? They sold him into slavery. As far as they was concerned, he was dead. So do you understand what I'm saying? Joseph, like Jesus, was involved with a vicarious death. Jesus died for us. A lamb died for Joseph. Woo, you ought to shout right there. Hallelujah. So he suffered all of these things. He suffered, hallelujah, amen, at the hands of his brethren. And then finally, I'm going to try to hurry and close. Then I thought not only was he the, you know, uh, the suffering servant and the beloved son, but then later on he became the exalted sovereign. There was a time that the fulfillment of the dream took place. And I want to tell you something, church. Hold on to God. Hold on to Jesus. Don't ever give up, Tommy. Don't ever get discouraged. And don't ever quit, none of you. You know why? Because just as surely as Joseph was exalted to the throne, one day Jesus is going to be exalted to the throne. He's already exalted today, but one day we're going to see him in that exaltation. Hallelujah. Genesis 41 and 38, it said, Pharaoh, Joseph had interpreted the dream. Remember the dream Pharaoh had of the seven uh, skinny cattle and, uh, and, and the seven skinny ears of corn, and, and Joseph interpreted and said there's going to be seven years of plenty Seven years of famine. He told him how to how to take a, a taxing of the people and gather in and 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 stockpile to get ready for the famine. And he saved all of the world. Joseph became. When you read the history of it, not only did he save Egypt, but but uh, he became a savior for the world. Amen. How many knows that's our Jesus I'm talking about? He was the same type. And he became the exalted sovereign. In Genesis 41, 38, after, after Joseph had interpreted the dream, it said, Pharaoh said to his servants, Can we find such a one as this, a man in whom the Spirit of God is? And Pharaoh said to Joseph, For as much as God has showed you all this, there is none so discreet and as wise as you are. Thou shalt be over my house. According unto thy word shall my people be ruled, and only in the throne will I be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh took the ring which had an insignia on it, which was the seal of the authority of all Egypt. And listen, folks, the Egyptians thought that Pharaoh was God. So when he put that ring on Joseph, he made him a god to all of Egypt. Man, people have trouble with the idea of Jesus being God. But can I tell you, the father said he was. He said he's Emmanuel, God with us. He's God the Father, God the Son. Can you say amen? So Pharaoh said he took his ring, put it on his hand and put on Joseph, uh, arrayed him in the vestures of fine linen and put a gold chain about his neck. And not only that, but he gave him a new name. Verse 45 said, Pharaoh called Joseph's name Zaphnath Paania. Woo! How many like to have that name? How'd you like to get up every morning, ladies, look at your husband and say, good morning, Zaphnath Paania. Thank God his name's George or something. Are you with me? And uh, what's that mean? It means a revealer of secrets. Pharaoh said, this guy knows the future. He, know, he knows what God is doing. <laughs> Isn't that good? How many knows Jesus? He said, God doesn't do anything about it. He reveals it to me. 
He said, I don't say nothing unless God tells me. I don't do anything unless God tells me to. Amen. Uh, even uh, that night when Nicodemus came to Jesus, he said, we know that you're a teacher come from God because nobody can do miracles like you do except God be with him. Hallelujah. Oh, boy. I feel like shouting tonight. He's a, he's a revealer of secrets. He gave him to wife Azanath, the daughter of Potiphar, Potiphar, the priest of On. And Joseph went out over all the land Revelation 19 and 11 says, I saw heaven open and a, behold a white horse and he that sat on upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness doth he judge and make war and his eyes were as a flame of fire. How many knows that's Jesus? And on his head were many crowns. Look at this. Pharaoh gave Joseph a new name, Zaphnath Paneah. Are you with me? But then it says uh, that he had a new name written that no man knew but he himself. Hallelujah. Are you with me? Praise God. And uh, nobody knew that name but himself. And I thought there's some odd names in the Bible. One of them is Meher Shaler Ashbaz. Are you with me? That's the longest name in the Bible. Meher Shaler Ashbaz. And uh, I started to think like this. And, and uh, so he got a new name. And then, uh, uh, hallelujah, the Scripture said uh, that when he, that he had a name nobody knew and but himself, and not only this, but watch this, Joseph is, a, is, a, is a, out of uh, Israel, can you say amen? He's a, of the seed of Abraham. You know what Pharaoh does? He gives him a Gentile bride. Let me know Jesus has got a Gentile bride. Woo, are you hearing me? Somebody already shout, that's me. <laughs> we are the Gentile bride. We're the church. The New Testament church, I used to work with a fellow, and he is Baptist, and I'm not mad at the Baptist, but I didn't agree with him. He said, the Baptist church is the bride of Christ. He said, we teach the Baptist bride. Well, I said, I hate to disillusion you, but we teach the Pentecostal bride. And the Nazarenes teach the Nazarene bride. Woo! Church of God teaches the church of God bride. No, we're not really. I, what I'm trying to tell you is we understand that the bride is the church that comes out of the, the age of grace. The, the New Testament church is the bride. Oh, hallelujah. The bride's not Israel. The bride is the New Testament church. Hallelujah. Israel will be joined back in. God won't cast them off, but we're the bride getting dressed for the wedding. Somebody shout yes. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me go on. I'm trying to close. If they'd come to the music, I would. Let me hurry. So he gave him a Gentile bride. And her name, hallelujah, was Azanath. So I find that this Joseph was, you know, he was the beloved son. He was the suffering servant. He was the exalted sovereign. But can I tell you that Joseph became a seeking Savior? A seeking Savior. What do you mean, preacher? Genesis 45 and 4. Joseph said to his brethren when he revealed himself to them, they all thought he was dead. And he revealed to them who he was. They didn't recognize him when they come in, Tommy. He didn't look like he'd come off Blue Leg. Amen. From the backside of that place after keeping them. When they saw Joseph the next when they left him, he was a scrawny boy down in a pit with his blood all over him. But the next time they saw him, he was standing there dressed in the finest robes of Egypt. Are you hearing me? He had his head shaved. He had his eyebrows plaited. 
He had gold earrings on. He had, he had enough gold around his neck that made Mr. T look like a beginner. Can you say amen? He was decked out. He, he had the Pharaoh's ring on his finger. When Joseph walked into the room, they all fell down and went, mm-hmm. are you hearing me? Only Pharaoh was greater than him in the throne. They were scared. You know the story how he'd hit his cup in the mouth of, the, of Benjamin's sack and, and then put their money back in their bags and, they, and he kept one of them and they all come back and, and they thought, dear God, we're dead. And they were scared and couldn't hardly stand it. And Joseph's standing back there. He's all decked out in that Egyptian attire. But in the heart of him beat the heart of a brother. In the heart of him beat the heart of one that God had sent there to save his own people. And he said, what you meant for harm, God meant for good. Hallelujah. So Joseph, he's standing in the palace and they're trembling out there in the, in the banquet hall. And the scripture said, Joseph said to his brethren, come near to me, I pray you. I hear the spirit in the bride today saying, whosoever will, let him come. And Joseph was saying, come, come near to me, every one of you. And he said, I am Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore be not grieve nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither for God did send me here before you to preserve life I'm the savior hallelujah of my people glory to God can I tell you something that bunch of lying murdering deceitful mean hateful blaspheming they as low life as low life gets. Can you say amen? Every one of them desire, deserve to be lined up against the wall and stoned to death for what they did to that boy. But he stood there with the heart of a Savior. And he said, I'm your brother. The Scripture said that Jesus is not ashamed to call us Brothers. Even though we've cussed and lied and blasphemed and stole and drank and doped and fornicated, you might say, I ain't done none of them things. Well, if you violate one of them, you're guilty of all of them, the Scripture says. There's not a one in this bunch that didn't deserve to split hell wide open. Somebody shout, yes. Not a good one in the crowd. We all stunk to high heaven. But Jesus stood one day and said, come on, babies, I'm your brother. I'm your brother. Hallelujah. You've despised me all these years, but I went ahead of you to the cross and took, took the stripes and took the beating and the crown of thorns and they nailed me to the wood so that one day I could stand in the Richmond house of prayer and say, come on, honey, and dine at my table because I love you. I'm your brother. Joseph. What, don't you just love Joseph? I just love Joseph. I'm, I thank God when that... That, that old harlot tried to drag him down into the bed. She got his coat, but she didn't get him. He ran out there and left his coat. He went to prison falsely accused and interpreted dreams because, after all, that was his name, one who interprets dreams. Can you say amen? And that butcher and that baker, they went out, that one of them died and the other one went out of prison, forgot about him, left him there three more years in prison. Is anybody hearing what I'm saying? Then finally, God brought him out. He, he retained his integrity. He was tried in all points. Can somebody shout yes? Yet without sin, he didn't fail. Hallelujah. How do you know? Because Pharaoh testified. said, can we ever find a man like this? The Spirit of God's in him. What a testimony. I know he didn't fail. Can you say amen? But, oh, Joseph was a man. 
Joseph died. And he was embalmed in Egypt. Huh? You, did you read that in your Bible? He was embalmed in Egypt. You know why? Because he said, one of these days in about 400 years, God's going to bring this people, or 600 years, God's going to bring these people out of Egypt. And he said, when he does, I don't want to be rotted away or put in a pyramid. I don't want to be put in a tomb of, with a Pharaoh. I want you to carry my bones back to the land of Canaan. I, I've been there. I've seen Joseph's crypt. Why would he say, take my bones back to Canaan? Because Joseph knew that one day, the one that he foreshadowed is coming in the clouds of glory. And when he does, when he does, you hear me, Joseph's spirit's coming with him, but his bones is coming out of that crypt along with the rest of us. They might believe what I'm saying. And he's going to meet Jesus in the air. And he said, I didn't want to be in some pyramid someplace. I want to be over in God's country whenever he comes. How about you? How many wants to be in God's country when he comes? Where is God's country? It's in a place called Grace. G-R-A-C-E. I'll preach Baptist now. It's in a place called Saved. It's in a place called Holding On Faithful. That's where we'll be when Jesus comes if we go with him. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Joseph. Jesus. Joseph and his brethren. Jesus and us. What a comparison. Aren't you glad you know him tonight? You need to tell everybody you can. All this stuff's about to happen soon, very soon. He's coming and he's going to be sovereign over this land. You better get with him. You better get right or get left. Amen. If they don't get right, they're going to get left. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight. Father. And set our hearts on you. Lord, come and do. We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.